0: Welcome to TG2Cast. I'm Aaron Blackwelder. As a school year draws to a close and grade books are being calculated, it is becoming clear that traditional grading is inequitable. Some students are able to remain engaged while others, for various reasons, cannot. But school needs to provide some form of summative reporting. The question is, how do we move forward? I had the privilege to spend time with Jay Purcell Jay is assistant professor of teaching and learning at Illinois State University. Jay is author of several academic essays and a TEDx presenter. In this episode, Jay discusses the problem with traditional reporting and what we can learn from COVID-19 and report in ways that honor the learner. As a professor of teaching and learning at Illinois State University, how has distance learning impacted student engagement and teaching instruction?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. That's a big question. Um, I mean, tremendously, all the students have been forced to pack up everything that they own and relocate back home. Uh, They've been uh, doing school from their home environments, which they all reported to me was, was such a a mental shift for them because that's the space where they were home. <laughs> that's the space where they were free from school. And now they were trying to do all of their school activities there in the home, uh, where typically, and of course, uh, undergraduates is who I mostly teach. And that's who I'm talking about here. You know, they, they go off to college and they're in their own space where they can learn and study and have their own lives. And now it was all blending back on top of each other. And they were struggling with that, with that transition. Now, Keeping that in mind, um, they are undergraduate students. I teach teacher candidates in teacher education, you know, so they're very motivated academically, and so I I think I was fortunate in that they were all really plugged in, and as difficult as it was, they they all. Not all. The vast majority of them demonstrated a certain amount of fortitude and stick with itness to to sort of s- soldier through the end of the uh, semester, and so that that was really good. But um, yeah, their whole lives were completely impacted, just like I'm sure everyone's across the country. Um, as far as the teacher instruction, now I've I've had experience teaching. Uh, online previously and the course that I was teaching there at the end of the spring term uh, TCH 219 which is a a secondary education literacy and technology course I've taught it online previously typically in the summer Um, so at least I had a a, a model to draw from Um, and so it not it was still work, but it wasn't that difficult for me to sort of transition what we were doing face to face and extrapolate it into the online space. Um, and then instructionally, I mean, things just operated pretty much like they would have. I mean, I I reported that to my students at one point, like, I really feel like everything that we did here today is exactly what we would have done (laughs) if we were in face to face situation. Um, but but it w- it was impacted a, t- a tremendous deal, and I'm sure that there are other classes in our university and across the country where you know maybe they, the content didn't lend itself so to, to such an easy transition online um, courses with lab work and and clinical work. Um, the course that I was teaching didn't have a clinical component to it strangely, um, so we were kind of free of that uh, that consideration but but a lot of courses you know sort of were completely turned upside down.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure that having like a lab class has got to be a lot more difficult during this time than somebody who is either dealing uh, with a uh, seminar type uh, class. Um, that transition's got to be very difficult. How do you have kids do a lab? Um, so, what are some current systemic issues uh, around grading systems, and why are they broken? You write about that in your piece. Well,
1: certainly um, there are issues with traditional grading. It's been well-documented. Um, that they're, they're built on a hierarchical system. Uh, they're built in order to normatively rank students uh, against one another. They reinforce societal inequities. Um, and most bothersome to me, I, I feel like, has always been the fact that they sort of shift the onus of a learning environment away from actual learning towards earning a certain amount of points or c- capital or credit or something. And then that that sort of becomes the bottom line. And that is what then takes the student's focus away from learning. As, as long as they can get the grade, that's all that they're in it for. Uh, and that's a generalization, of course. Certainly, there are uh-huh. there are students that buck that um, trend, but, but predominantly for all the years that I was in the classroom for over a decade as a high school teacher. Um, and even in higher education, um, you know, I, I saw students who, who were willing to sacrifice actually learning content for just obtaining a grade. And so, you know, the fact that the traditional grades circumvent the learning process is well problematic, uh, in and of itself. And, and I mean, I think that that's when, when you say that it's broken, like it's a broken process. And I think that we know this. And I think that certainly the past two months have shown very clearly uh, that grades are not reliable indicators of student uh, performance, student competencies, student skills. Um, and, and that's sort of been highlighted very clearly here um, and, and not just here in this uh, Time of remote learning um, but but we can see that going back to uh, Dr. Rustin's conversation uh was that last week or two weeks ago that you had with him where you know he stated that the grades are not an accurate measurement in the first place. Uh, they never really were, but somehow they sort of like floated along in this disguise. And and now the curtain has been pulled back and we clearly see that, hey, grades are not an accurate measure of student performance in this time, in this remote learning environment. And in fact, they never, ever have been. And so when we talk about a system being broken, like I think that that's it. Yeah. I, I feel like my career mission is to to make the case that the way that you grade someone a student the way the grading system that operates in a classroom or in a school is going to be directly indicative of the learning that's brought about there and so if we're grading students traditionally based on points and percentages applying these arbitrary letter grades that we just um traditionally have that have a certain amount of status quo value um then we're going to get a certain result right that's going to breed that kind of circumvention of learning Mm -hmm. that that i'm talking about but and the schools that have moved away from that towards standard-based learning standards-based grading competency-based grading trying to get out of that paradigm of traditional grading uh, that i want to call it they've sort of realized that and what i'm struggling with is just this in those environments there's always um a need to convert it back to a traditional grade. We need to convert this score back to a letter grade. We need to convert this yeah. back to a percentage. Um, even Dr. Ruskin's uh, point about just give them all A's, like his article is great, and I am on board with every bit of that rationale. I just feel like the, the end result of just giving them an A, thats the part. that's the only part I disagree with to some degree, just because that leaves you there in the traditional grading paradigm. You're still there. Um, although all, all the rationale is pointing and screaming for you to move yeah. away from it. and I feel like we have, strangely, because of this pandemic, which is not a good thing, it's a horrible thing, um, but but strangely it's left us with this opportunity where, where we can literally move away from this paradigm if we want to. If we know all of these things about uh, what's best for students in their learning, um, best practices in, in teaching and learning and assessing students' work, why would we go and rebuild a broken building? Why wouldn't we just move forward with what we know to be best and never have to convert it yeah. back to anything? I, I think that there's a space for us to do that. Um, we just sort of have to seize the moment.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't know if I answered your question. I'm sorry.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, you did. Um, so you teach both, you taught high school and now you teach college. Correct. Um in both of those worlds, somebody might argue, okay, well, that's fine and dandy at the high school level, but at the college, we need more rigor and uh, kids are choosing to be there rather than at the high school level. Why do you see that, uh, that grading still uh, brings about inequities at the college level?
1: Oh, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I know that firsthand. I mean, even in higher education, we're fortunate in that we have a, a certain real legitimate measure of academic freedom i always loved to champion my academic freedom when i was in the high school classroom uh but i feel like you know compared to what exists in higher education it wasn't quite the same thing and in higher education i mean i have seen some strange strange grading systems (laughs) Um, because there's almost there's almost no regulation but but most often they operate along traditional lines and most often they're still you know um based on some sort of capitalistic structure of, of earning points or earning credit. Um, and then they exist very punitively in nature. Um, so it would require at the, at the post-secondary level, um, it would require instructors to really, you know, go back to, uh, the the competencies or the standards that they want students to come away able to know and and do just like at the high school level and really start well teaching and grading to those specifically rather than just you know passing exams or completing assignments
0: right
1: i mean how many courses in in higher ed are you know the entire grade for the for the semester is comprised of two scores
0: you know your midterm exam and your final exam right and there's all the stuff that you learned in between. You you talk about an idea called grading forward. Um, what is grading forward, and how would that be? Different from traditional grading systems.
1: Well, I suppose that my idea of grading forward was just, uh, you know, looking towards towards the future of school and the, the way that we're going to assess and grade our students moving forward. Um, like I said, this this pandemic has has been anything from good, but if there's something that we can learn from the past two months, I, I think that it's. It, it's that we have a real opportunity to sort of crowdsource how we go about assessing students without applying grades to them. And I think that maybe that that's been a a challenge um, that teachers have reported across the nation, as far as trying to, quote unquote, hold their students accountable, or ensure that students are complying or submitting assignments when there's no grade. Um, And so I think that uh, again, strangely, we have an opportunity, and we have a whole nation of teachers who are, I believe, the most creative uh, people on the planet. The most innovative people on the planet are teachers, because um, they're out there creating and performing and teaching and instructing on a daily basis. And if there's anyone who can, who can really crowdsource this problem and say, "Hey, we need, we need to circle the wagons on how we're going to assess students without grades." Um, I think that we can really we can do that. And of course teachers going gradeless is an excellent uh, organization, an excellent resource and teachers throwing out grades, I mean this movement has already begun and um, the shift towards standards-based learning environments or competency-based learning environments, I mean, these are things that we know. These are uh, these are practices that are supported by empirical evidence. Um, And and even more than the empirical evidence, I mean, these are things that teachers know anecdotally, just standing at the front of a classroom for a semester or for a year. They they can see it with their own eyes. And so uh, grading forward, I guess, is just an idea to to try and move forward in attempts to make our instructional practices specifically regarding student assessment and grading make those instructional practices align more harmoniously with our teaching philosophies and our educational beliefs. And, and I think that that's what, that's what we're looking at here. I think in the past, it's, I, I've felt like there's been an attitude like, well, this is what I believe about is best with teaching and learning, but I'm forced to do this other thing in the classroom. And as much as I would love to do it my way, I can't because there's this big system in place, but it's almost like COVID-19, one of my friends who's, um, Dr. Hoffman, who's just completed his superintendent residency, uh, called it the forcible mover, COVID-19, where it's sort of forcibly eliminated that system, at least for the spring 2020 semester. It's... (laughs) It's pushed that off to the side and, and we can see maybe what a teaching environment or what a learning environment might be like without the constraints of that uh, institutional system uh, that perpetuates itself endlessly. And I, I don't know, I, I wonder if we if we just move forward yeah. in our grading from there.
0: Yeah, I'm hoping that we can um, look at this situation too and just find how can we better report uh, learning uh, back to students and back to stakeholders. Um, and one of the things that I think that a lot of traditional, um, uh, one of the things that um, traditional grading fails to do is ask the student what's going on and what they've learned.
1: Um, but you mentioned something like that about uh, in your Do No Harm podcast about students uh, being able to focus on their interests. And I think that there's certainly a space for that. I mean, that's that's what would yeah. really be ideal is if we could highlight student interests, if we could highlight student strengths in the way that we're going about assessing them. And especially, you know, the way that we're wanting them to document credit towards matriculation from our schools. Um, there's no reason why we can't rethink this in a more supportive environment for students as uh, thinkers and learners moving into our uh, society, especially in a time of crisis.
0: Yeah. Um, so how might this be more equitable, like moving forward in grading, um, how might eliminating grades um, and uh, reporting more based, ho- more holistically on students uh, be more equitable than traditional gradings, um, both during a pandemic and beyond?
1: Well, for one thing, the student would only be in competition with him or herself. You know, we wouldn't be competing against students uh, right next to you for a certain amount of class rank. Um, and, you know, I, I love sports and I'm a baseball coach and I believe that there's a time and a place for competition, that it can be a good and healthy thing. I just, I just don't know if, if that's in an in academic learning environment if that's where we need competition to exist. Um, Because to me, academics, learning, teaching is all about growth and improvement on individual levels. And so in order to to do that, you have to start by meeting students where they're at and uh, providing them with opportunities to learn and grow from that point on, regardless of where anyone else is at. So um, that would be one way. And then Another way is that it would remove sort of the punitive nature of traditional grades uh, that has been documented so clearly. I'm thinking on the top of my head of Ken O'Connor, right, and Gusky mm-hmm. um, and, and uh, all of the grading experts with Brookhart. Um, just the deficit nature of grade traditional grades where if a student misses an assignment or bombs a test, now they're in this huge hole that they have to try and dig themselves out of Um, and we know (laughs) in our, in our hearts and in our guts as teachers and all the research indicates, um, that that's not, that's not the best environment to put students through if we're, if the goal is to have them learn and if the goal is to be able to teach them skills and competencies.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of like having kids do a lot of assignments, that just equates to faux rigor. Whereas... You know, it's, I gain so much uh, understanding of what my students know by giving them one challenging question that it takes them um, an extended period of time to try to grapple with than it is to give them 20 questions that they can answer within a half hour. Um, yeah, I just know more about what my kids know when they're struggling with one thing than when they're struggling or when they're just throwing up, you know, 20.
1: Absolutely. You know, it. As we move into a new paradigm of teaching and learning, um, supposing that we do, it, it it won't it won't be enough to just continue to do what we've always done instructionally. Like our instruction will have to change too, and we'll have to move more towards what you're describing there, where rather than a lot of assignments that all t- tie back to a few standards, we have a few assignments or you know a few projects that are complicated and that that indicate several different performance standards or competencies, you know, that they're all embedded within them and not just contents and standards in one content area, uh, but maybe they have multidisciplinary contents all all built into them that that we could parcel out. Um, That's what we're really going to have to get to. Right,
0: right. So what resources would you suggest listeners who uh, want to increase engagement and provide better assessment practices um, moving forward? What would you suggest to them?
1: Well, obviously uh, grading for equity, Joe Feldman um, would be great. Um, in the article, I reference the uh, mastery transcript consortium and uh, I believe you had them on earlier, and, and that's, that's really interesting to me, to be able to provide a, a holistic transcript of, of students' uh, competencies or ability levels. I mean, I think that that's going to be something that would be really attractive to institutions of higher education. Did I mention TG2 and the resources I would direct people to? No, but you just did. <laughs> okay, definitely TG2.
0: Well, Jay, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate uh, this conversation. Um, I appreciate your insight and uh, your perspective and, and uh, your vision for the future.
1: I appreciate you making the time and giving me this opportunity. And I appreciate all the work that you do there at TG2.
0: I mean, it's it's uh,
1: phenomenal. You all, you all are a great resource.
0: Change is often difficult and slow because change often costs resources, such as time and money. However, who are the losers in traditional grading? More than likely, it is the students. And the cost? Authentic learning. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you do not miss future installments of TG2Cast. And remember to leave a rating or review. We appreciate your support. And it really helps people to find the show. Thank you for listening.